Hey everybody, this is Courtney. And this is Allison. And, and you are, are listening, listening to Murder Porn. Porn. That was Woo! good. We like harmonized and I shit. know. <laughs> <laughs> start the story if everyone could just take a little bit of time to hop on your phone and go over to instagram and go to murder p pod is that what it is murder p murder p podcast um find us and then you'll notice our logo is the cover photo and follow us and then hop onto our link tree go to our website um go to your um channel of choice follow us subscribe support your girls we need new equipment <laughs> yeah that would be fantastic um we're borrowing these mics still yeah there is a patreon setup we have several different levels that we came up with um it's fun we based it off of like um in dexter where he refers to like his dark side as his dark passenger so we had a lot of fun with that, like, we, kind of like a ship, sort of, I think is what we did. Like, different classes. I think that's what yeah. we did. So, um, yeah, you guys, and you don't have to subscribe and donate every month. There is an option to just give whatever you can, and honestly, like, any little bit helps. So that's the end of my begging for money. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll probably also talk about it later. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So everyone loves a rags to riches story, right? Mm -hmm. But this one ends in tragedy. Today, I'm telling the story of a woman who was famous for being a Playboy Playmate of the Year and was on the fast track to crossing over into movie stardom. An incredibly beautiful woman inside and out whose life was snuffed out at the young age of 20 before she ever really got a chance to live. Holy shit. 20? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. This is yet another tragic tale of a controlling husband enraged that he is losing his grip and driven insane with jealousy, and yet another woman who, despite the warnings and numerous people who could see what was going on, still came to a violent and vile end by his hand. The ultimate act of control. Why do I feel like I know exactly where this is going? I feel like I've heard of this case. Oh, really? Probably. Probably. So, um, Dorothy Ruth Hoogstraten was born on February 28th, 1960, to her parents, who were Dutch immigrants, and they all lived in Vancouver, Canada. Her dad, whose name was Simon, left the family when she was just three because he was a piece of fucking shit, um, and he left Dorothy's mother, Nellie, to care for Dorothy and her younger brother. So Nellie was on public assistance. She was doing what she could, working as a housekeeper. And apparently Nellie had an affair 
with one of her employers and it got pregnant with another child that she couldn't afford. <laughs> um, he refused to take any respons- responsibility for the child because men can fucking do that and just leave women high and dry. So, um, now she was raising three kids on her own. Uh, in 1977, Dorothy was going, or yeah, Dorothy was going to Centennial High School in Coquitlam, and she wanted to help her mom out. She wanted to help pay the bills. She wanted to do whatever she could. So she got a job at Dairy Queen. Woot woot, Dairy Queen. Ooh. Yum yum. Um, and she was at 17, and it was there, she was working there, when she met this man named Paul Snyder. Paul was 26. Ugh. She was 17. Pedophile. I agree. That's fucking disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He was a promoter. Red flag. Mm. He mostly worked car shows at the time, and he was also a pimp. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, He had a black Corvette, and he wore a soft mink coat. He was decked out in, like, riches, like, gold and furs and all that shit. And he had, like, a big gold star of David encrusted in jewels dangling from his neck. Like, can you get any more of a stereotype? (laughs) And obviously, Stratton's like, oh, wow, how, like... Yeah. It's incredible. Like, she's so fascinated by all this and sort of, like, bedazzled, like, not bedazzled, like, um. I don't know. Don't ask me for the word. Because yeah. It's like, figure like if a freaking spell was cast on her and she was just so caught up in his image. Bewitched. Yeah. She was bewitched. That's the word. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you, concussion. I know. <laughs> <laughs> just call me concussion from now on. People literally called him the Jewish pimp. Oh, God. Yeah. That's... And obviously Dorothy was naive, so she didn't see the red flags, and she kind of, after a while of him, like, working on her, a.k.a. grooming her, she finally relented and started seeing him. hmm So, uh, in 19... No, sorry. <laughs> um, he started dating her, despite her young age, and the fact that he was just about a decade her senior, which... If you're in your 50s and 40s or 40s and 30s, it's not as icky, but, like, when you're a teenager yeah. and you're still in high school and you're dating a man that's in his late 20s, that's... Well, your brain isn't finished developing. You've also not had the life experience these other people have. Yeah. It's super easy for them to, like... He's a predator. You and He's a fucking predator. You. It's yeah. disgusting. Um, several people in Stratton's life said that they saw him as a predator and they could tell that he was looking for a golden ticket and that he saw it in her. She was fucking stunning and so sweet and so naive. He basically, it was his golden ticket because he immediately saw somebody who was underprivileged, Mm -hmm. who was naive, who was incredibly sweet and probably very shy and stunning just fucking stunning that's like perfect i can control her every move like that's you know what i'm saying yeah piece of shit sorry you guys this shit really bothers me (laughs) no i get it um 
he would like compliment her on things that she felt like most vulnerable Mm-hmm. It, that's how he was grooming her. She said she w- he, he would also, like, shower her with expensive gifts. He would take her out to nice dinners. He even bought her a gown to wear, and he took her to her senior prom. Ew. She was still 17. He was 26, and he took her to her fucking prom. Oh, my God. My friends in high school would have been like, what the fuck are you doing? There was literally a rule that you can't bring anybody over the age of uh, 20. Because they don't want anybody there 21 that can illegally buy alcohol. I didn't even remember that yeah. rule. Because I was dating somebody who was 20. Oh, you were? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he didn't come. He oh. was actually in the military. So he was in Texas. And I went with a friend. And uh, my tits looked fucking bomb, dude. <laughs> he, was, he was very lucky to have gone with me. <laughs> it was like... It was like a very plunging dress back mm-hmm. when that was popular and you know my nice perky teenage titties <laughs> i miss those <laughs> my before hus- they got extremely big and gravity took over brandon always like talks about how um he is uh married to a cheerleader because <laughs> he was kind of like the nerdy yeah so was my kid. husband he doesn't talk about shit like that though I don't oh, know if he even he, cares. He always, he always makes jokes about it. Well, yeah. also, like, I guess he said that after high school, a lot of girls that were, like, the popular cheerleader kind of girls, once they got out of high school, they got, like, really into nerds. It was like, dude, I was always into nerds. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, honestly, <laughs> in my opinion, if you want a man that will treat you well, mm-hmm. find a nerd. Yeah. Somebody, Period. Yeah, somebody at work uh, made a, like nerdy nerdy dude he made a joke about it at work and it's I was the like, truth i was like you know that's the thing as i know he's at home sitting and reading a manga yeah you know <laughs> what he's doing you're yeah. no, you have no worry you know guaranteed if i get on to my ring camera you he's can sitting see. there playing a video game so funny i have <laughs> i have ring cameras in the house too and one of them's like in the living room so i can Mostly, I wanted to, d- to just see what the cats were doing while I was gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's usually right on the TV watching his food porn. <laughs> yeah, he's sitting there playing video games or he's watching. Um, yeah, and working. YouTube. My video. husband works constantly. Yeah. So, all right. So in 1978, Playboy in America was hosting the Great Playmate Hunt Contest, and they were scouting for a new playmate to be featured as the centerfold in the 25th anniversary issue the following year, so in 1979. Snyder convinced Stratton to take some nude photos to enter the contest. 17! <laughs> I was about to say, she's probably still underage. Um, quoting her, quoting Dorothy, it took him a little while to talk me into agreeing taking some test pictures, Stratton said. Um, it was during an interview with local Access Canadian TV show. I had never taken my clothes off for anyone I didn't know. It took me about two weeks to agree. He fucking... This, like, Mm. is grooming. Like, it's so much grooming. (laughs) This stuff would never fucking pass. Actually, it does happen today, so... But still, gross. Gross. This guy's fucking gross. You can't be so out and open with it because people will... Well, people... Yeah, well, you would hope, right? Well, you would... Yeah, you would hope. Um, while a Playboy Enterprise is no benchmark of morality, as we all know, it did take issue with Stratton's questionable age in the photographs. 
it was pretty obvious that she was way too young to be posing naked Mm -hmm. um but snyder determined to expose his underage girlfriend (laughs) expose her uh wasn't about to give up he knew all he needed was parental permission and uh, he basically wooed her mom and convinced her mom to sign a permission slip for her daughter to to pose for playboy and playboy was like all right cool let's get this show on the road and i think at this point she was 18 but i think playboy had a rule that you don't pose under the age of 19 like they didn't like this was pretty unheard of i think Anyways, so, um, he convinced her fucking mom to sign a permission slip. Um. I would have killed the dude. Yeah, yeah. So, um. I would have, I've been like, Suri, where do you hide a body? (laughs) (laughs) So, they went to this, this photographer in Vancouver, his name was Ken Honey, took the pictures, and he sent them over to, um, Marilyn Grabowski, which was the editor for the West Coast magazine um for playboy um and she basically said i wanted her on the very next plane period and marilyn grabowski so one of the things that i did to prepare for this was watch the secrets of playboy if you haven't watched it fucking do it it's free on hulu um i think i paid for it way back on prime but it's on hulu now you can watch it for free and the whole time i'm watching it i'm like how did i not know that this place was scummy and that there was super scummy icky shit going on like how did i not know i mean i think i think i i don't i don't know if i knew new to the extent that i know now no it's just like of course it's like that but right i was more like oh i yeah like when i i heard it i was like oh yeah yeah but i always did think that like hef's little group of bunnies around him kind of like wanted to be there but i've heard more it's not that they wanted to be there they were almost like forced um they had to sign a contract they they had to follow all these rules Mm -hmm. um what else have i heard um they had a weekly allowance of a thousand dollars each i think Mm -hmm. um they weren't allowed to like save any of it like half wanted to know exactly what they were buying and how much they were spending Mm -hmm. yeah so it wasn't really i mean it was kind of like and they were expected like every thursday night or something like that to all go in his bedroom and do drugs and have sex with him yeah it wasn't like really like they 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 volunteered to be there but they also like didn't yeah and there's a lot of interviews from a lot of fucking people that basically say that hugh hefner walked around with a pocket full of quaaludes and they called them uh, thigh spreaders or something like that or panty droppers or thigh spreaders or something because it just like loosens you up and lowers your inhibitions and i mean it's almost like the former date rape drug was quaaludes Mm -hmm. um and he gave that to a lot of fucking people and a lot of fucking people like say that they like woke up next to him and didn't remember like what was going on so yeah um the genius the genius of hugh hefner was the image that he created and protected so well to make the entire country 
think of him as some sort of warped hero. You know? Like, I was actually, this is actually kind of interesting because I was rewatching The House Bunny last night. Mm hmm. Because I used to love that one. With uh, what the hell is her name? Is? Anna Ferris. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, I do not, do not like her ex husband. I'm probably one of the only people that doesn't like him. Who? Her ex-husband. What is his name? Chris. Is that the guy that's, um. Pratt? Yeah. Ugh, he remarried Arnold Schwarzenegger's, Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter. Some of his Instagram They stuff. have a son that's on the spectrum, I think. Yeah, and some of his Instagram posts are a little red flaggy to me. Which oh, is why I, I don't, don't like them. Um, but anyway, so. I was rewatching that, and I was like. Hmm. Knowing what I know now. Yeah. It's kind of makes away the, the shine of the movie that I once used to like. Yeah. <laughs> it's also not very. It wouldn't fly. It wouldn't have flown in movie theaters like it did now. But I think a lot of movies now wouldn't have flown very far. There's a lot of movies that didn't age well. We'll say that. Yeah, that's. <laughs> That would be the better way to say it. I literally was, um, like, I was doing something and I came downstairs and TJ was watching an Eddie Murphy, like, movie and it had, like, he was this criminal and there was a white cop that, like, was, got him out of jail or something to help get this other bad guy. The tone of it, the racist undertones, the racist words, like, the N-word was dropped like without regard Mm -hmm. it and you know eddie murphy like wrote it so but that doesn't make it okay to me like i don't know it did not age well at all it i could i cringe like i had to walk away i could not watch it it was so cringy to me well you know you know what movie i've actually like watched and i thought wow this was a little like this called things out a little ahead of its time i mean in and kind of like in like funny way but also at the same time like you look at it now and you're like oh wow like they were calling this out Harold and Kumar all like the talking about the racist the racist police I honestly have seen the first one one time and that's it they talk about the like because the police just purposefully are arresting um people of color like um Oh, yeah, I know that they were taught, like, they were afraid to get pulled over that when they were, like, going to White Castle or something, because they were n- not white. Well, so they jaywalk, and then they end up getting arrested, and then in in the jail cell, this guy is sitting there, and he's reading a book, and he's black, and he's like, he's like, yeah, I got arrested for, and it was, like, something inconsequential, but they're letting the drug the drug dealer off who's the white, white guy yeah. rich white and um then they go in like they're like oh he's trying to escape and it's the black dude and he's sitting there just reading a book and they're like they're <laughs> they're he's sitting there like just reading a book and then they're like he's trying to escape and then he's like i'm not trying to escape and then they like throw him against the wall and they're like yelling at him stop resisting and he's just like what the fuck mm. but like i'm not resisting i'm literally just standing here very still <laughs> it was like it was supposed to be funny and it's over the top but at the same time like they're calling it out it's relevant yeah like this this stayed 
like wow yeah yeah i rewatch that and go oh well wow yeah so i watched i watched the secrets of playboy twice um i paid for it once on amazon and then i watched it for free on hulu and it came on hulu but um it's fucked up how many secrets were kept like what happened at the mansion stayed at the mansion like everybody there knew fucking bill cosby was a predator well before the rest of the world and nobody fucking did anything about it they just allowed him to keep damaging women and like the kind of shit that happened to these girls they fucking covered up is just disgusting it's gut-wrenching and it's awful and you gotta watch it dude i might like it's very eye-opening very eye-opening and now if i like if come across somebody who like thinks that hugh hefner was a fucking boss it disgusts me it fucking disgusts me mm. it's so cringe hugh hefner was a piece of fucking shit you guys he's a womanizer he was a predator yeah yep anyways let's continue <laughs> we keep we keep getting off topic yeah um um, okay, so yeah, Mar- Marilyn Grabowski was like, I need her to get here now, essentially. She was literally on the next plane. Like, things moved very fucking quickly for Dorothy. So, um, somebody else said, I called her a woman child. His name was Mario Casilli. He was the photographer who shot Stratton's test shots once she came to L.A. Um, and in an interview with 2020 and 1985, he said, uh, you know, when you looked at her, she was a total lady. She had this, like, statuesque look, but when you talk to her, she was still a little girl. Mm. I mean, she Ew. was, by the way, a little girl. Like, I mean, yeah. Think about it. Like, when you this think is about the time it, that like, you would typically Ew. be graduating co- high school and go off to college. Like, I still think of that as a child. You don't, you're still, like, under the care of your parents, and yeah. that's a fucking kid. So, unfortunately, she didn't win the contest. Um, the jo- January 1979 centerfold ended up going to Candy Loving, who was then a senior at the University of Oklahoma. So, she was probably, like, 21 or 22. Um, still not very Gina Keough, which you guys probably know from um, Real Housewives of Orange County, I think she was in. She used to be a playmate, and she was on Real Housewives. Never girl get the fuck out of here <laughs> it's like my it used to be i don't watch it anymore but like very early on i loved the beverly hills and orange county girls and like i used to watch new york but ramona got on my fucking nerves and i stopped watching it but yeah anyway so guilty pleasure real housewives <laughs> um what was i talking about oh anyways um she was the playmate of, jenna kia was playmate of the month for november 1980 and she later appeared on real housewives of orange county she said at the time playboy thought loving could better handle the spotlight that came with being named the 25th anniversary playmate um dorothy was just shy and she needed a lot of grooming kia said mm. So they knew she wasn't ready yet, even though she was as beautiful as Candy Loving and could easily have been the special playmate. She wasn't ready. Playboy owner Hugh Hefner took, like, a real shining to her. Like, Hugh fucking loved this woman. Mm. And, um, it's really interesting because you go on and, like, 
in the in the documentary or in the secrets of playboy they talk a lot about like you can you're never going to be a playmate of the month or of the year you're never going to like move up in that company unless you sleep with you i was about to say don't you have to sleep with mm-hmm. them like yeah. that was a very well-known fact um but it i don't it, i'm she's like the only one who never slept with him like i really think he thought of her as like a daughter like it this is like <laughs> one of those <laughs> rare relationships where he um basically took her under his wing and and really like quickly she kind of came up um so still fucked up when you think about it though yeah well he named her miss august 1979 and he gave her a job as a playboy bunny in the um the club that was right there in la um (laughs) um this was a quote that says i don't think she was allowed to serve alcohol because she was only 18 so she was kind of a door bunny that would like greet people coming in said dr stephen kushner who was like a close friend of hers um and they were like housemates shortly before her she died Hmm. oh uh spoiler alert she died (laughs) <laughs> I, I think we knew exactly where this was I don't going. think we would be talking about this if uh, there was nobody dying. So, yeah. Um, so the magazine immediately offered to bring her out to L.A. It was the summer of 1978. And she was about to do two things that she'd never done before. Fly in a plane and take a ride. So that actually kind of belonged earlier. She Like, before she went to L.A., she had never been on an airplane. Mm-hmm. And she had never ridden in a limo. Like, this girl had never experienced anything really outside of her little Vancouver town. Her little tiny life just grew so big so fast. It's, like, overwhelming just thinking about that. And especially, like, how young she was. And, oof. So, she soon found herself in overhead. Um, She was a teenager still. Um, The lifestyle in L.A., especially its promiscuity, was not her cup of tea. Um, She was very reserved. Uh, The magazine's editor, Marilyn Grabowski, made a keen observation of her struggling um she was a total babe in the woods she said i cannot remember another playmate being that i don't want to say naive maybe inexperienced um unused to her surroundings and not used to the thinking that she was really beautiful so like she didn't even know she was pretty Mm. it's kind of sad right Suddenly, Stratton found herself in the middle of some of Hollywood's most exclusive parties. It was all brand new to her. She was so excited, Grabowski said, but she also seemed overwhelmed and scared. So she stayed close to the one person she knew from back home, Snyder. Of course. Mm -hmm. The photographers noticed that during her photo shoots, she would compulsively call Snyder and tell him how things were going. Um... Her friends thought it was really strange that Stratton gave him so much credit for her success. Um, what had he done, after all, is besides, like, convincing a little girl to take her fucking clothes off and pose some pictures and then somehow charm her mother into signing the permission slip. That's what he did. But, I mean, I would say, like, he was the first man to, like, recognize at least her exterior beauty and her potential, maybe. So there's that but that doesn't give him like ownership over her in any capacity you know Mm -hmm. she might feel like she's in debt to him in some way which i really do think that she felt that way for her entire life after she met him that she was indebted to him 
Um, so she she was uh, wait where was I? Oh, she was on the phone with Snyder daily when we shot her. Grabowski said she would call and tell him how great it was going. She thought that whatever success she was having, and it was embryonic at this point, was totally due to Paul. She leaned on him, said Marilyn Grabowski. Hefner wanted to place Dorothy in the most important position in his magazine, which was the centerfold. But that wasn't all. He also wanted her to start working at the Playboy Club, which she did as the door bunny. He was putting a lot of energy and thought into Stratton's career, and he could smell the snake that Snyder was from a mile away. Like, he made it very fucking known how much he hated this guy. Hmm. Yeah, and I don't know if it's because, like, the power struggle between them. I don't know. I don't know. But still, like... Also, maybe just he realized the guy was a piece of fucking shit. Or maybe one person is rec- you're recognizing one person who's the same is recognizing the other person is the same. Yeah, and you because hate what you see in him because it's yourself or whatever. Like, it's yeah. something that you don't like about yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, most people actually in L.A. and at the mansion were not fans of him. And while Stratton was working the door at the Playboy Mansion, Snyder was inside the mansion running amok. <laughs> He, um, his, his favorite place was the grotto, which was infamous for salacious, like, escapades, lots of sexy time going on in the grotto. And, you know, they always say what goes on in the grotto stays in the grotto. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Um. I've seen pictures of it, though. It's kind of cool. But. It it was pretty. It's too too bad that it was used for its purpose, you know. Kind of nasty, but kind of cool. So Jenna Keogh did talk about um, Snyder spending time in the mansion and in the grotto. And she said he would be in the grotto trying to make out with other girls. And you have the most beautiful girl in the mansion, she said. Snyder was eventually caught with another girl, according to um, the former Playboy social secretary, Allison Reynolds, who also did Stratton's makeup. So she was the secretary and the makeup person, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. Allison said that security kicked him off the property and that they would only allow him back if he came back with Dorothy. So he was only allowed to be there if he was with Dorothy. Good. They should have just banned him completely yeah. IMO, but... Um, so Hefner had connected Stratton with a professional manager and a money manager, so it further like took away control from snyder so uh, obviously he was fucking furious right yeah like he no longer has control over anything like he's at her beck and call essentially like uh, you know Mm -hmm. sensing that he was losing his grip on her snyder pressured stratton to marry him and she eventually did agree uh they got married in june 1979 and it was just before stratton's exposure hit like an all-time high Marilyn Gabrowski said that she and Hefner, as well as others, opposed the marriage. Like, a lot of people were super fucking devastated when they got married. Because they, like, did not like this guy. They could tell that he was just, like, off, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, a man said, um, a friend said that she felt that this whole blossoming, this whole new world that came to her, came to her because of Paul. That's why she married him, because she owed him everything. 
Actor Max Baer Jr., one of Paul Snyder's friends, who's best known for playing Jethro Bodine on the Beverly Hillbillies, <laughs> said that, I said to Snyder, do you care about her? And he said, yeah. I said, well, if you really care about her, take her back to Vancouver. She doesn't belong here, I said. She's nice. She's got a great figure, got a beautiful face, and this town will destroy her. Premonition. Or was that foreshadowing? Foreshadowing. In August 1979, um, it was a huge month for Stratton. Um, Hugh Hefner had arranged for her to be the featured playmate of the month. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you want to take a Do you want to take a break at this point? So yeah. she's playmate of the month. So we will be back with more after this. So Dorothy, who changed her last name to Stratton in order to be a playmate, she was experiencing quick success in L.A. Um, She made the leap from model to actress. Um, She uh, appeared on Playboy's Roller Disco and Pajama Party, which aired on ABC in late 1979. And then she began landing acting gigs. Um, She had guest spots on Buck Rogers and Fantasy Island. And she had small roles in the film Americathon and Skate Town USA. And then she landed the title role in the sci-fi comedy Galaxina. I have never fucking seen any of these, so <laughs> sorry, kids. Um, she was really happy then. That's when I think it was starting to change with Paul, said Sis Rundle, who was a formal, former Playboy social secretary. She said, um, I think he really thought, like, this is mine. And he wanted ownership of her. He wanted to say that he owned something, that he did something. And I really do think he thought he made her. Quote. In the end, Playboy ended up doing a lot of the heavy lifting for Dorothy. She worked um, in the club, and then she met, um, while working in the club, she met a really famous director named Peter Bogdanovich or Bogdanovich. Um, He had achieved critical success for films like Paper Moon and The Last Picture Show. So, like, he was a big fucking deal. Um, Her big break came when he cast her in his movie They All Laughed. She made such a fucking impression on this guy that he actually wrote a new part for her into the movie. Um, The character, that of an unhappy wife took as its source Stratton's unstable relationship with Snyder. So this film basically elevated Stratton to a whole new level. She was slotted to work with the screen legend Audrey Hepburn and Three's Company's John Ritter. That's fucking crazy. That's a big fucking deal. I know those people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think this is well before I was ever born, but I know those people. (laughs) I especially know John Ritter. Yeah, well, uh, Audrey Hepburn. Everybody knows Audrey Hepburn. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, So, as Stratton's career was beginning with warp speed, Snyder began realizing that he wasn't getting off the ground. He was stuck. He had basically been reduced to 
nothing. Like, he was just Dorothy Stratton's wife and chauffeur. (laughs) Um, They were arguing constantly, and Snyder was starting to feel, like, suffocated by her success. Um, This was around the time that they mistakenly walked into a dead club in L.A., a club owned by Soman Steve Banerjee called Destiny 2, and at some point suggested to Steve Banerjee um dorothy suggested that the dancers should have like the playboy bunny look with like the cuffs and the bow tie um banerjee actually loved that idea and of course the rest is history the club became chippendales i don't know if anybody yeah and actually i watched the show um i can't remember what the name of it something chippendales but i watched it on hulu it's really fucking good i highly recommend it it's really good but Steve Banerjee has a whole storyline of his own, man. It's very interesting. I just think of uh, the SNL skit with Patrick Swayze and... Uh, who am I thinking here? The bigger the bigger one. Chris Farley. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll have to look that there's up. A, there's an, an SNL skit with the two of them, which is actually really sad when you think about it, because they're both dead. Yeah, that is fucking sad, dude. There's but, a lot of skits of people that are all fucking dead on that show. And you know I heard on a documentary that, like, drugs were fucking abound in their, like, green room and all their dressing rooms. Like, it was nothing for them to fucking... Obviously, cocaine, like basically candy (laughs) so um so yeah snyder was basically feeling suffocated um they were out trying to do something fun and they ended up choosing this weird like off the beaten path club in la she ended up giving steve banerjee the idea to make the chippendales dancers wear like playboy bunny cuffs and bow ties with their little baby speedos And it took off. Like, people fucking loved it. Like, it was a whole thing. But you know what? Did you know? Steve Banerjee died fucking penniless, and his family didn't get shit. Think how fucking big Chippendales is. What? Yeah. You gotta watch the show, man. It's so good. So good. And you'll be like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's good, good, good. Highly recommend, guys. It's not all fact. Like, there's some things that they change just obviously, like, to editorialize it, but it's really good. Yeah. Um, so, um, she needed room to breathe. Like, she was also feeling very suffocated. Um, so, luckily, her film with Bagdanovich was shooting in New York, and it was very far from her husband in L.A., and as she prepared for the trip to New York to fill, they all left and was so happy. Like, she was going to be with Blagdanovich. She was going to have some fucking space from Snyder. Um, uh, he came to a decision, Snyder did. He's going to go to the Big Apple with Stratton. He's going to go with her to New York. He needs to be with her. <laughs> what? He was not willing to give her that much distance and that much freedom. He needed to keep her right under his thumb. Yeah. So, um, obviously, Stratton was like, uh, the fuck you are. And she basically told Snyder, um, or she knew that he was going to, like, crowd her and her creativity and, like, threaten, basically, her first big break. So, uh, she told her that Bagdanovich preferred a closed set. And it was cast and crew only. 
And although Snyder was probably suspicious of that, he did agree to stay in L.A. As it turned out, he did have every reason to worry. (laughs) Yeah. Because shortly after arriving in New York, Stratton and Bogdanovich fell in love and they started an affair. But Dorothy literally said that, like, until they both had separated from their spouses, she did not sleep with him. Like, she was such, like... I would I would say almost like honorable. <laughs> that makes any sense, you know? Well, I don't know. Like yeah. they had an emotional affair, and it's, like yeah. it wasn't physical until, until like they separated. Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes sense. Honorable. It's an emotional. Yeah, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, though, like if you're emotionally involved with somebody, that's way more fucking like that's way worse to me than physical. Yeah, I have to agree. So, um. At this time, Stratton was 20 years old. Bogdanovich was more than 20 years older. So she, like, has daddy issues, clearly. Probably because her daddy fucking left. And, yeah. So, anyways, so she's really into older men. (laughs) Um, Despite the age difference, he treated her better than Snyder ever had. And she had grown so used to Snyder's toxic presence that... Like, Bogdanovich basically seemed like a fucking dream. Yeah. But unfortunately, they could not stay in New York on this quote-unquote closed set forever. Like, Mm -hmm. it had to come to an end. Um, Later, one of her co-stars said she was just breathtakingly beautiful. And this was Colleen Camp that said this. She starred alongside her in the the 81 film They All Laughed. She said, there was something very otherworldly about being with her. Time would stop, and you just felt like you were in a frozen moment. Wow. Yeah. That's just how captivating she was. Like, everything that I have heard about this woman, she was just this bright, beautiful light. She was a beautiful person inside and out. Like, she had so much potential. Like, if she would have lived, she would have been a big fucking star. Big. So, um, um, Colleen Camp also said that Peter wanted to make a love story in New York about how falling in love can be a mistake. They All Laughed was absolutely a movie about Peter. It was very autobiographical. Mm-hmm. Turning the page. <laughs> page turn. In 1985 interview with Good Morning America, four years after Stratton was murdered, Bogdanovich said he and Stratton had fallen in love before he started making the movie. Um, Colleen Camp said that Bogdanovich confessed to her while in production that he was madly in love with Dorothy. And Colleen Camp said, Peter, be careful because you have no idea who this guy is that she's separated from. This is Snyder that they're obviously talking about because... um, this is you'll find out kind of she does separate from him but stratton still had several months of filming left on the film with bogdanovich um but hugh hefner made her made it like a really big announcement he made her playmate of the year that's a big motherfucking yeah. deal she was playmate of the year i told you guys hugh hefner fucking loved her dude and like the only woman that he promoted that like never like had any sexual contact with him too isn't that crackers like like she must have been amazing she must have been so um he made her uh playmate of the year 
Um, so she had to go back to LA for the launch of the publicity tour. Um, at the launch of her tour, Hefner gave like a big speech um, before Dorothy took the microphone for her own speech. Um, she basically thanked everyone except her husband. Oh, <laughs> that probably burned a little. I'm so sure it probably didn't go over very well later. I'm sure he was pretty fucking pissed. Actually, I think I heard one point that he got up and fucking left when he when she didn't thank him. Like he's a little fucking baby, dude. Um, after that launch, she went to appear on t- the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And the first part of her promotional tour was basically a two-week tour of Canada after that. Um, her home country in Canada. But she had a couple of days before that started, so she followed her heart. She went back to New York to see Bogdanovich. Um, things continued to click for them, and this good feeling prompted her to basically cut off the deadbeat um Snyder's control over Stratton had rapidly unraveled he started to become desperate according to Carpenter he tried to follow through on a project for a poster that he had started with Stratton before they got married a poster of her Mm -hmm. like he wanted to have it printed and distributed and sold um she said no she struck it down she's like nope this isn't happening so basically that was his last like thing for income that's that's what carpenter said that was the final shutdown he had no more income so as she started to slip away he started to realize he owned nothing hemingway said he wasn't doing anything nobody was admiring him hugh hefner's not going to call him back and then this deep 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 freaky thing that was going on inside of him took control and lost it said hemingway Stratton told her husband that she wanted a separation. Mm-hmm. Stratton's Canadian tour ended in her hometown of Vancouver. This is where she had family to visit, but it was also where Snyder showed up. <laughs> Fucking just showed up. Um, he was waiting to surprise her when she got into Vancouver. Instead of letting her relax in her hometown with her family, he did something extremely selfish. He set up a bunch of personal appearances at nightclubs owned by their friends, by his old friends. So suddenly he was acting as her manager all over again and like negotiating her fees for appearances. Um, and he basically pocketed all the fucking money for himself. They had like a very intense argument and Stratton suggested giving up acting and settling with Snyder in Canada after this argument. So who knows what was said, but I think she was fucking scared. Um, basically they came to an impasse and Stratton Dorothy went back to New York to finish the Bogdanovich's film and um, Snyder went back to LA to do whatever he did which basically was harassing her from afar um, and this time it was like nonstop phone calls and uh, she wasn't answering um, or he would just be silent when she answered the phone That's um, but mostly freaky. she ignored him which obviously fucking pissed him off um she then wrote a very pointed letter to snyder basically laid out the state of their marriage it it was over both physically and financially snyder was not surprisingly unhappy with the situation and immediately went to the fucking bank and withdrew all the funds from both all of their bank accounts he took all of their money for himself yeah fucking dick don't do that ladies have your own money somewhere else yeah 
Stratton had, well, I mean, he, she was under his thumb this whole time. Like, she never had the opportunity or even probably thought, you no, know? No, probably not. So, um. My dad did that to my mom, so I always have, like, I'm pretty sure else. my mom did that to my dad when they got divorced, too. I'm not really sure, but, like, usually one partner does that. Yeah. So you just keep like, your money. Like, out of desperation. You keep your money somewhere else. Yeah. So, um, Dorothy actually had had some pretty extravagant gifts that she received from Playboy as payment for her work. Um, Snyder had access to all of them. Um, when he needed money, he looked at Stratton's $26,000 Jaguar and made a decision to sell it. He sold other prizes as well for money. Like, what the fuck is he doing with all this money? What the fuck is he doing with it? Buying drugs? Being a fucking asshole? Being a piece of shit? How much money does it take to be a piece of shit? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> she was basically willing to give him anything at this point because she just wanted out. Um, she felt like she owed him for her career and her success, but like she was fucking done. And I can totally commiserate with that. I have been in relationships where I walked away with absolutely fucking nothing because I wanted out that bad. Yeah. I didn't want to argue over it. I was just fine. Fucking take it all. I don't give a shit. Bye. <laughs> Deuces. Um, Stratton moved in with Bogdanovich. <laughs> hmm. Snyder burned through all of her money in no time, his dismal future stretching out ahead of him. With the money slipping through his fingers, he needed another way to get his hands on some cash. Um, if he could prove that his wife was having an affair, he could land himself a decent divorce settlement. But... How do you get proof of what's going on in New York when it's when what's happening is in L.A. on the other side of the country or whatever? Or yeah. no, he's in L.A. and she's in New York. Right. So he hired a P.I. to follow her. Yeah. Um, he also bought a shotgun and constructed a bondage chair. And he moved a girlfriend in with him and gave most the impression that he, too, was moving on. But this other girlfriend was also, like, incredibly young. Talk a little bit more of that. Yeah. Um, around this time, Patty Lorman, a teenage grocery store clerk whom Snyder was trying to turn into his next Playboy model, had moved into the West Los Angeles house that Snyder and Stratton had shared with their housemate. So she's a fucking teenager, too. That's gross. Yeah. And at this point, he's probably in, like, 30. 30. Um... Paul was distraught. Um, Lorman, his um, roommate, said um, he was sad. He was like, gosh, she didn't even tell me she loved me or kissed me. Like, there were times when he talked to her and he would start crying. He would sit on the couch and play his guitar and write songs about Dorothy. This guy's fucked up, dude. I think all of this is, like, acts of manipulation too like in my opinion just like trying to show that he moved on to make her jealous is one thing especially with somebody who's even younger and then you know telling other people how upset he is because he thinks that it's going to get back to her writing songs about her which he probably fucking left on her like answering machine or something like a fucking creep because he's a fucking creep that shit doesn't work people Mm. like when you're so when they always say like like I've always heard and it's true like guys will be like I don't 
understand like why she's not so upset. It's because a lot of times you've mourned the relationship prior to actually leaving the relationship. Mm-hmm. Like when a woman is like finally done, they're done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's done. Yeah. You're, it's n- it. Like when a woman reaches a fucking point that she's done, like she literally will. I, I like leave, leave everything and ice you the fuck out. Yeah. Like they literally are just too tired to do anything else. Yeah, because it's true. Like once a woman decides to leave the relationship, they've probably already mourned it's, it's the relationship for a long yeah. time. It's not they're not there's no fixing yeah. it at that point. That's why they get so my guys are like, I just don't understand how that she could just do XY That's why. Yeah. Yeah. So mind you, this twelve fucking pages of research that I did, um, happens in three years. Yeah. So, um, let's see. Filming wrapped in the middle of July 1980, and then Stratton and Bogdanovich were finally through with the film in New York and decided to take a hard-earned break. So they took a two-week trip to London, and then they went back to L.A., and basically, in order to avoid going back to her house that she had with Snyder, she rented herself a Beverly Hills apartment. So she rented her own place, um, but that was as a cover because she was actually living with Bogdanovich. She never put any furniture or anything in her Beverly Hills apartment. It was just, it was like a fake cover to trick him. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of smart though, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. Although I think I probably would have actually put furniture in there. Made it look maybe. like it was actually in there. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, so basically she did that as well because she didn't want to give Snyder her real address because she was living um, with Bogdanovich in a mansion in Bel Air that he owned. Um, Obviously, the private investigator figured that out and told Snyder. (laughs) So much, you guys. Sounds like he's cheating too, though. (laughs) Kind of. Well, it's not cheating anymore. They're not fucking together. So everyone warned Stratton that Snyder was dangerous, but she insisted that she could handle him. Like, she did not ever think that he would physically, like, well, I don't know if that's true, because I'm, I've heard stories that he did, like, hurt her. Like, he, there were bruises on her and shit like that. Maybe she just didn't think that he would, like, like cross that line. Kill her. Yeah. I keep always wanting to say unalive. Mm-hmm same tiktok fucking tiktok yeah so um obviously paul was slowly realizing that dorothy wanted nothing to do with him um and she met with him like a few times to talk about like a settlement um she wanted to give him much needed money obviously because he was fucking broke at this point because he is a motherfucking retard Ooh, that's pc i'm sorry guys he's a motherfucking moron that's better word moron moron and blew through all her fucking money so quick um stratton the beautiful naive like amazing person that she was wanted to main remain friends with him like she was hoping to amicably settle everything so that they could still be friends because obviously she still felt like she owed him you know you don't owe him shit yeah i know everybody everybody you don't owe anybody shit I mean, obviously, unless you borrowed money from them or something, but, like, you don't owe anybody, like, for your success. Like, they may have, like, 
introduce you to it but that's all you be that's mm-hmm. all you yeah um so at this point snyder was like in a very dark place he was like crying he was writing all these songs about her still crazy he at some point did a quick motherfucking turn from feeling sorry for himself and being sad about stratton to feeling fucking angry like he was pissed um it's not exactly clear what he was thinking but he did borrow a weapon from a friend it was a 38 revolver um he was fucking delusional and he like was lurking outside of bogdanovich's mansion um basically planning to shoot anyone exiting the house Mm. yeah this guy's fucked if after i heard that I would never fucking go near him again. Restraining orders would be in place. He set up a meeting with Dorothy, confident that he could actually win her back. And obviously that didn't happen. Like, not even close. Stratton told Snyder the last thing that he wanted to hear, which she was in love with Bogdanovich. Like, it was fucking over. There's no more. Like, that was the final, like, like, when he finally was, like, realizing that it was over. She wanted to complete their divorce, and she offered him a payout. He was furious, you guys. Um, he was still in touch with that private detective that he'd hired to follow Stratton, and so um, that PI, he asked him to take him shopping for a gun. Um, obviously, he was Canadian, so he couldn't legally purchase a weapon, so he was asking the PI to buy it for him for protection, he said. Luckily, the detective said fucking hell no. Like, hard fucking no. Yeah. Thank God. Um, on August 14th, 1980, Stratton had made a plan to meet Snyder to hammer out the settlement that would be financially beneficial for him. She thought that, like, dangling the money there would, like, satiate him, you know? Yeah. Um... Since... Paul had launched her career she felt like she owed him at least that like at least a good settlement um, both Bogdanovich and Hugh Hefner told Stratton that she should not go like even going so far as to literally forbid it like they forbade her from going she didn't take that advice it, the advice fell on deaf ears basically she's like I still thought she could fucking handle it um, this is a quote from Jenna Keogh. Hef and Peter kind of forbid her from going to see him. Like, they forbid it. She had to sneak. She had to lie. Um, she just misjudged the guy so badly. She just had that little flaw that was her flaw. Not being able to see the evil in people. That's what Jenna Keogh said. Or Aww. Gina Keogh, sorry. It's so sad. Yeah. So, obviously, Dorothy lied to Bogdanovich and to Hugh Hefner and um, went to what she thought was going to be a productive meeting with Snyder. They, like, agreed to meet up at the house um, that they, at this point, were sh- that he was sharing with two roommates, Patty Lorman and Stephen Kushner. Um, neither were there when Dorothy arrived. Um, what she didn't know was that he basically was just unhinged completely unstable um he had been talking to his friends about like very dark subjects like 
the topic of hunting and he talked about like playmates that had unexpectedly passed away Um, but that was not the worst part the most important thing is that he finally had been able to purchase a 12 gauge shotgun from a classified ad oh god yeah 12 gauge too for all you youngins that don't know what a classified added basically it was something that was in the paper that had things for sale Uh, you could call the person and buy it from them if you wanted so you literally could like so it was almost like facebook marketplace but like on on print on print I, I cannot believe that you could list a fucking firearm there. Like, typically that stuff is monitored, at least. But, geez. Hey, Seuss. Hey, Seuss. You want some of this? Yeah. <laughs> um. He picked up that gun the night of August 13th, 1980. The night right before this meeting was planned to happen. Um. And then later that night in a conversation with friends, he described how he had bought the gun and um, finished his story basically by cryptically declaring that he was going to take up hunting. That's why he bought the shotgun. That's what he said to his friends. Who was he hunting? One fucking person. One fucking person. So Lorman said that she um, was at the house that morning of August 14th, but she then left. Um, she knew that Stratton was coming to visit Snyder. Um, she, um, and then Kushner said that he hadn't been home all day because he had spent the previous night at his girlfriend's house and then gone to work in the morning. So Stratton arrived for her meeting with Snyder, um, at this rented West LA house that they used to share around noon on Thursday, August 14th. She had spent the morning conferring with her business manager, and one of the topics the pair discussed was the amount of the property settlement Stratton would offer her strange husband that afternoon. Um, The police later found $1,100 in cash uh, among Stratton's belongings in the house, which she had apparently brought for Snyder as a down payment. Towards the end of her morning meeting with her um, business manager, um, he made a fateful observation. Um, this young client could avoid spending any more time with Snyder by basically just handing off the remaining separation and divorce negotiations to her lawyer. But Stratton basically said that the process would go a lot easier if she dealt with Snyder personally, explaining that he was being nice about everything finally and adding, um, quote, I'd like to remain friends, unquote. Yeah. So their roommate, Kushner, said um, Lorman, the other roommate, was back at home when he arrived later that evening at 8 p.m. So um, he said that he saw Stratton's car, a Mercury Cougar, at Snyder's Mercedes, at and Snyder's Mercedes with the vanity license plate Star 80, which is where Bob Foss later sourced the title for his biopic on Dorothy. Star 80. Hmm. Um, cause he was a star and that's why he had a special license plate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the two roommates were sure that Stratton and Snyder would want privacy. So basically they went to the living room on another floor and started watching TV. 
Um, they thought that because it was so quiet and the door was closed that they had reconciled and they were together downstairs re- reconciling. <laughs> doing the things that you do when you do that. Doing, doing the nasty. Yeah. Uh, by all appearances, Stratton had spent some time in that living room where they were. Her purse was found lying open. Um, so they just assumed, like, before they went into the bedroom, they had been in the living room for a little while. And her purse... Like, wouldn't you be concerned if, like, the purse was, like, open and scattered and fallen and, like, it looked like there was maybe a struggle or, like, she had dropped it or something? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's more of a womanly yeah maybe because maybe men when they well, one of them's a woman one of the roommates a woman one's a man oh yeah that's right well i don't know yeah so no one knows exactly what happened that day um allegedly snyder got stratton into the bedroom he raped her then he shot her in the face and then he, apparently he raped her again ew and then he turned the gun on himself what? How do okay? Uh, hold on though, because there's more. Like you can't really find a lot about what actually happened. Like it has not been like widely published. But I read parts of Bogdanovich's book that he publishes later, and it like I guess they he fucking tortured her. Like he sodomized her. He raped her with objects. Like he completely ruined her internal organs. And uh, he took away the one thing that was like identifiable. Like her beauty her face you know and that's a pretty common thing that that's done when there's like a lot of hateful passion you know but yeah he fucking shot her in the face and then raped her again and then shot himself in the head so they were both dead it was a you said it was a 12 gauge right yeah that big motherfucking hole yeah Yeah. why would you that's disgusting also because multiple things like my head is not wrapping around you you're gonna rape somebody that looks probably like mutilated meat at that point yeah like that's disgusting he like fucked her up dude yeah and then like it was this ultimate act of control over her how does the roommates like not hear a 12 gauge go off no they weren't this happened before they got there like they were already dead okay um, I thought they were in another room. That's why I was like... Well, they... So they were in his bedroom with the door closed, and they just figured when they got home, it was quiet, that they had, like, oh, reconciled, okay. you know? And so they, I like, went you, down in the living okay. room to give them privacy. Um, the bodies went completely undiscovered for hours until the PI that Snyder had hired called his roommate, saying that he was really worried because he couldn't reach Snyder. He said he had concerns about him, and he asked the roommates to check on him. Following the detective's advice, around 11 p.m., they quietly went to the door and knocked. And they really didn't want to disturb the couple who assumed who they had assumed to recognize. But when they heard no answer, they opened the door. pages were stuck together. I was like, why were they stuck together? Mm, what kind of nasty shit happened on these? Just kidding. <laughs> um, Patty Lorman said that the scene looked like two mannequins. It's never a fucking mannequin, you guys. <laughs> looked like two mannequins covered in fake blood. She went on to say that it resembled a stage horror movie. Sadly, it was real. 
I called the authorities, of course, um, but it was clear that she was gone. Both of them were gone. There's nothing that could be done. Lorman said, that's a picture that never goes away. A mental picture that is stuck in here forever. Talking about, like, in her mind. Mm -hmm. Um, The lead up to the massacre was too terrible to even contemplate, and the exact details are hard to find, but Snyder had raped her tortured her in her bdsm in the bdsm sex chair that he made himself and then shot her in the face and then raped her again and then shot himself and took his own life fucking piece of shit according to the police timeline snyder had shot stratton that afternoon within an hour of her arrival at the house and then committed suicide approximately one hour after that so i think if you this is a quote by um, an officer, Deonda. I think if you look at the control factor, forcing sex upon her, I think that's all part of his regaining his position of power. I think it's more realizing that he had no future without her and he didn't want anyone else to have her a future with her. You know, if I can't yeah. have you, nobody can, right? Yeah. Um, the, the roommate Kushner said um, Snyder ultimately had to do what he did. And basically to Hefner, to Bogdanovich, to everybody else, to society in general, put up not one but two middle fingers and say, that's what you get for messing with Paul Snyder. That's what Kushner said, his roommate. Mm. Gross. Sometime after midnight in the early morning of August 15th, the private detective telephoned the Playboy Mansion and told Hefner that Stratton had been murdered. Hefter then called Bogdanovich. After collapsing at the news, Bogdanovich was sedated. That's how upset he was. Like, they called in a doctor and had him sedated. Um, Stratton's mother was told of her daughter's death at her Vancouver area home when later later the next morning by an officer of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. So, like, she was the last person, basically, to know that her kid was dead. That's sad. Yeah. Um, Dorothy was cremated. She was buried in the same L.A. cemetery as Marilyn Monroe. Isn't that um, uh, Forever? Was that? No. It's, she's not at Hollywood Forever. That's a common misconception. She's at the... Um, hold on, I wrote it down. Westwood Village Memorial Park Cemetery. Oh. Yeah. Bogdanovich said that the inscription on her tombstone, which is a quote from Ernest Hemingway's novel, um, A Farewell to Arms. So he chose that. I wanted to read that to you guys. I have a picture of it. Let me grab it. Oops. All right, here's the quote on her tombstone. If people bring so much courage to this world, the world has to kill them to break them. So of course it kills them. It kills the very good and the very gentle and the very brave impartially. If you are none of these, you can be sure that it will kill you too, but there will be no special hurry. We love you, DR. It's a really fucked up thing to put on somebody's tombstone, I, in my opinion. I don't know, I was... Meh. Not a fan. <laughs> Can we, like, just say something nice and not this dumb, like, long ass? It took up the whole fucking tombstone, too. Yeah. Um, I can see that. <laughs> um... The awful end of Stratton's life should have ended the scandals, but unfortunately, the tawdriness kept coming. Hef was never the same. 
part of him died. Part of all of us died because Dorothy was special to us, Rundle said. Hefner blamed Bogdanovich because he'd taken another man's wife. Bogdanovich, on the other hand, placed the blame on the seamy culture of the magazine. I guess he'd conveniently forgotten that he'd met Stratton while scouring the Playboy Club for women. <laughs> um, Bogdanovich was in mourning over his lost love, and he wrote a book about her, and that's where I got some of the details about like what they actually did and like obviously like yeah i would be fucking distressed too like if i was just fallen in love with this person and we thought that we had the world and our lives to go and then they are snuffed out and in such an awful horrible way you probably have to sedate me too (laughs) yeah maybe she would have ended up on you know hollywood what is it the the wives the wives club (laughs) what's it called Uh, i don't know was that was the, the Real show? Housewives? Yeah. Oh, maybe she would have ended up on Real Housewives. Maybe. I mean, she re- lived in the right area. She would have been on the Beverly Hills one, probably, yeah. even though she was in Bel Air. But so four years after she had died, Bogdanovich published his book. It was called The Killing of the Unicorn, and he blamed Hefner and the culture of Playboy for contributing to Dorothy's death. He also accused Hefner of making unwanted advances on Stratton at the Playboy Mansion back in 1978. In the book, he claimed that Hefner raped her and blamed the Playboy lifestyle for her death. After Hefner's death, many women have come forward and discussed Hefner's MO and how he managed to bed so many women, making them feel they would never succeed in this world without first sleeping with him. So that's like I talked about the secrets of Playboy, like makes it very fucking clear how horrible he was. And how horrible the people he surrounded himself with. They were all fucking predators. And they basically invited all of these young girls and, like, got them intoxicated with whatever substance and took advantage of them. Period. Period. That's what the whole fucking thing was. was This whole, like, um, what do they call it when it's, like, a business? Enterprise. Yeah. Some sex trafficking Rico shit. (laughs) Um... In a 1985 interview with ABC News, Geraldo Rivera asked Hugh Hefner, like, for the record, did you seduce her? And Hefner replied, no, I didn't. And for the record, I never tried to. Mm. So he's saying, like, she's the one I never touched. Like, I really do think that's true, though, actually. I don't know. Yeah. Um... Dorothy's tragic death was motivated not in any way by her association with Playboy, but clearly by the breakup of her marriage because of the affair with Peter Bogdanovich. Hefner said this during a press conference in 1985. He blamed Peters for having an affair with her, not Playboy. Of course, her death falls squarely on the shoulders of Snyder, who was the controlling and abusive, you know, before he ever talked to Stratton in deposing Playboy, he controlled her and was abusive to her and like from the beginning this was not gonna have a happy ending you know yeah for those who were close to dorothy stratton the horrible tragedy of her death is compounded by the fact that she was just so fucking young when she died um quote had she been privileged to live out her life and her career she would have been a star kushner said her roommate she would have been a julia roberts she would have been a reese witherspoon like one of those women who are timeless and have long lasting careers but over and above that she was a great person 
and she gave herself to everyone that she met. In my book, there will never be another like her, he continued. Dorothy was something special, always will be, even 39 years later. Bogdanovich, so that her roommate fucking wrote a book on her too to cash in on her death. <laughs> Just so we're clear, all these fucking people around her, even after she died, continued to fucking... Apparently, um, Hugh Hefner said that he, Bogdanovich, was trying to seduce Stratton's half-sister. Oh, wait. Are you Googling this shit? I just was, I wanted to- Get the fuck off your computer! I wanted to see, I wanted to see a picture of him, and then I saw that, and then I was like, because I was like, oh, he must be hot, and then I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, he's not- no because <laughs> i've never seen a picture of this dude and i didn't know he was part of the sopranos he so, had anything to do with that uh where was i bogdanovich continued a relationship with stratton's family thank you for fucking googling it while i'm talking i was i wasn't trying to google <laughs> that part i was trying to like see a picture it's of funny because it popped it's like right, up. right as i'm getting ready to talk about it so he um he said that he would have been their in-laws one day so why would he not stay in touch um but he did a lot more than stay in touch however he actually took care of them financially um six years after stratton passed away bogdanovich married her half-sister louise stratton who was then 20 years old by the way so her mom just kept pushing fucking babies out by the way anyways 20 years old bogdanovich went on to write and produce films with her and lived with her even after they divorced. And her mom, by the way. Part. Her mom lived there the whole time, too. Don't like, worry. I didn't read any of that yeah. part. Mm-hmm. I just saw I just saw it. Like, it was literally the first thing that popped up when I saw his picture. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Yep. So, um, even after they divorced, both of, the, both of the mom and the sister lived with him and he continued to financially support them. And there's a lot of rumors that he had sexual relationships with both the sister and the mom. Um, and that's kind of like, ugh. That's <laughs> disgusting. Yeah. Um, Hugh Hefner couldn't stop blaming Bogdanovich for losing Stratton. Like, he fucking changed a lot when Dorothy died. Like, he was really, really upset by it. He lashed out at Bogdanovich's relationship with Stratton's sister, and he accused Bogdanovich of seducing Louise, the mom, or no, Louise, the sister, when she was only 13 years old, he seduced, he was accusing her of seducing him. He also accused him of having a relationship with Stratton's mother, Nellie, and of getting Louise to get plastic surgery to look more like Dorothy. Ew. That is a whole other level of fuckery like what that's creepy as shit also like why the fuck would you ever agree to that as a woman that's how much control these fucking men because they're young and naive oh you would look so much prettier if you looked like your sister let's do that let's let's reshape your jaw let's Let's make you look like your sister bleach your hair let's you know fuck you fuck you um gross that just it like makes me feel so icky (laughs) yeah um there have been two movies that told the story of dorothy stratton's short and tragic life the first one we already talked about it's called star 80 and the other is called death of a centerfold um in 1983 fellow canadian brighton adams released the song 
the best was yet to come as a tribute to Stratton. So she made a big impact on a lot of men. Men. Um, strangely enough, Bogdanovich still lives with both Louise Stratton and Nellie Hoog Stratton, the mother of both Dorothy and Louise. And it seems that after all the turmoil, Bogdanovich just wants to live surrounded by memories of his beloved Dorothy Stratton. So I have a lot of feelings about this, <laughs> and that's kind of why I wanted to do it. One, I think that her husband robbed this country of a very, the world really, he robbed the world of like a very promising young woman that was very impactful to everybody that she met and could have been incredibly impactful like on the world. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, but it also like the domestic violence portion of it is so fucking real and happens a lot um and it's unfortunate and so like mm, you know now you can be aware of some red flags maybe you yeah. know um and then the love story at the end really hurts me and my soul you know mm -hmm. what do you think it's just a <laughs> it was long but it's a lot part of me wonders how much well i mean Oh, would things have gotten like worse for her if she would have continued like to I, I don't know how to describe like what I'm thinking here like maybe the relationship that she was entering could have been worse like I mean given the what we know about like how he was with her family well he treated her well though well yeah. so I think it, it still would have been a controlling manipulative power struggle relationship narcissists that are actually really really bad once you get to know them but like yeah. at first they Eventually. treat you so well oh yes i'm very yes i know about that very so, well oh so well yeah so um yeah it's just sad you guys and uh, a lot of people don't know about it like i didn't really know about it until i watched the secrets of playboy and they talk about it a little bit and um like I did with some research after that and like I somehow found a PD so you cannot find Bogdanovich's book like anywhere and I somehow found like a PDF of it like on the interweb somewhere hmm. and found the portion where he was talking about how she was murdered and it's fucked it's really fucked you guys like it's so brutal and so vile like this woman's last hour of life was a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Huh. All right. Crazy. So the sources that I used were um, a website called realrundown.com. Um, I used another website called factinate.com. Another one called readysteadycut.com. Uh, an article from abcnews.go.com. And uh, her wiki. I also watched The Secrets of Playboy, as you all know, and I have also read Down the Rabbit Hole with Holly Madison, so I got a lot of information from that. I don't know why I, but, like, I have, like, consumed a lot of knowledge about Playboy, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Like, you know, we grew up with The Girls Next Door, and, yeah. like, we watched that, and so when Holly Madison, like, when it was over and she finally wrote that book, um 
down the rabbit hole. I was like, fuck yeah, let's go. I think Brandon downloaded that onto his Kindle, like, recently. He said something about it. He's, I think I'm going to read this. It's and then I was like, very interesting. I have it on my Audible, and I just yeah. haven't listened to it yet. It's very interesting. Oh, I wonder if she um, narrates it. I don't know. Um, I just haven't listened to it the, yet. The Holly's book talks a lot about how the relationship worked between the girls and between Hugh and, um, you know, how she started to get really depressed and kind of lose her sense of self. And um, she talks about, like, all the rules that they had to follow. And she talks about how fucking disgusting it was in there. Like, upstairs, the bedrooms were so fucking gross because he basically allowed all these women who were children to have puppies and they pissed and shat everywhere ew um so it smelled really bad um so it didn't look like the girls next door i mean it it was nice on film like a lot of things look nice on film you know but yeah you can't smell what's on film that's true and um i just remember they all had their own little room yeah and they all had puppies all remember were, like, decorated yeah. and it was so cute and you're like they got a budget to decorate the rooms however they wanted i think is what i read and then like they had a a thousand dollar weekly allowance or something like that yeah um and he made them like go get their hair done on a regular basis and like he had to know where they were at at all times like he was very fucking controlling over them and like they weren't allowed to go out without him unless they had explicit permission from him Um, i just remember when kendra left and she's pregnant she had to ask permission to leave yeah i just remember that well it's because of the show it wasn't like oh i thought she had that she was in, a, in another relationship and she was pregnant and i on i didn't think she was pregnant at the time i thought no, she literally she had pregnant. to act, ask him to leave that's how they made it seem like in the show so on the secrets of playboy when they released it on hulu there was an extra episode and it had the twin girls that became hef's girlfriend like as kendra was exiting and they um, talk about how Kendra was pregnant and, like, nobody fucking knew. But, like, mm. you know, she'd be like, you want to smoke some weed? Because, like, they're her, they basically what they would do is they would get these other girls to come with them to go out and get them fucking high as shit and intoxicated as shit in hopes that when they got back, they would all go up to the room and they could just sit there and watch while these other girls did the deed with, with you. So they're talking about this and Kendra like offered them weed but then didn't smoke it herself and like, like, duh, you know, she was prego with a boyfriend that wasn't Hugh. So, um, and then they talk about one of the twins got pregnant from Hugh and had to go have an abortion. Like, didn't, they, they didn't want him to know. So like they snuck, they talk about how they snuck. Like, I could talk about this for fucking hours, you guys. Watch the goddamn fucking show. <laughs> it's so good. I'll have to read it. Or it's, watch it. It's very eye-opening. It's like, dude, of course. Mm-hmm. I just kept thinking, like, of course it's like that. Like, how could it not have been icky and gross and, like, a predatory, like, mill? It was basically a mill for predators. Nastiness. Yeah. Trafficking. They talk about how they had all these mini mansions set up around where the mansion was, and they would let girls stay there, and it was the same fucking thing. It was like trafficking them. They would let them live there. They would get them fucking drunk and party all the time, and then all these friends of Hugh would fucking take advantage of them. Yeah. Like, ugh, it's disgusting, you guys. 
the whole like doesn't his am i wrong am i wrong in remembering this didn't his like own son one of his like his son think he was kind of gross his kids i don't know that they really had much of a relationship with him i feel like one of his sons said something about like thinking that he was even kind of gross maybe i don't know maybe i'm just misremembering i don't know i know his daughter took over the company they sold it though they the hefners no longer have anything i think to do i don't think they have anything to do with it anymore i'm not positive about that but um yeah so that's the story of dorothy stratton and it's really fucking sad you guys she was so beautiful like i'll i'll post some pictures of her on our instagram social media um you can listen to us on spotify podbean amazon music audible google Podcasts, samsung Podcasts, and apple podcasts plus more probably whatever you want um our email address is murderpornpodcast at gmail.com send us any comments questions concerns nice things we will put you on fucking blast if you are an asshole um ooh, if you have any show recommendations or questions about what we've said or talked about please feel free to email us like we're responsive like we're gonna talk to you um you can go to our website murderpornpodcast.podbean.com and there's like our link tree on there and our bios and all that jizzy jazz <laughs> um we do not have a twitter and we do not have a facebook um we do have an instagram it is murd m-u-r-d-p like paul podcast that's our handle um link trees in our bio on our instagram too um, you can go uh, to Teespring and buy merch, which we get a portion of. You can go to Patreon. You can sign up for um, different levels of like sponsorship, or you can just do a single one-time thing. Um, if you do that, you know there's certain benefits that you get that go along with that. So that's really cool. Um, oh. Um, you can also go go to Courtney's Instagram. It's Courtney C O U R T N E Y underscore Ann A N N zero point one, and mine is Allison A L L I S O N underscore Wonderland. The O is a zero and the E is a three, not a nine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Courtney's got a TikTok, Courtney underscore Ann one point I have a TikTok, but you guys don't want to. It's stupid right okay that's it go buy things and send us money we love you okay thank you for your support okay all right Mm. Bye. bye